You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 331. I'm excited that you're here. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And today I am thrilled to be joined by registered dietitian nutritionist, Alexandra Pato. We're going to talk specifically about nutrition, body image, and realistic weight loss after baby. I know a lot of you have questions about that, and so we're going to really cover it all. We'll also be talking about breastfeeding and the nutritional demands that breastfeeding puts on the body. We might bust a myth or two about, oh, breastfeeding and how that automatically means weight loss. And we're definitely going to talk about how to navigate body changes that you just don't like after your body experiences a change like pregnancy. Before we dive in, this podcast episode is here today because of Element. It is hot outside, and that means more sweating, especially during workouts and when you're doing things outside. And if you're active and you follow a whole foods diet, you may see positive result from electrolyte replacement. And that is because when we are active, we actually sweat and we lose electrolytes through our sweat. And if you follow a whole foods diet, your diet is naturally low in sodium. And so you may not be meeting your electrolyte requirements. And that can result in things like dizziness and fatigue, um, especially after workouts, like feeling that like constant fatigue, almost like you're just chronically hungry and thirsty, but you just can't meet, you just can't feel satiated. Uh, Muscle cramps, headache, fatigue. Electrolytes are important because water absorption in your body is actually dependent upon the absorption of key electrolytes like sodium, magnesium, and potassium, and they have to be replaced through supplementation. So I've personally been using um, Element, which it's just like a grab-and-go like a packet and you just cut it open. So it's very very travel friendly, which is what I love. But you can actually just cut it open, put it in a 16 ounce glass of water. I always had a, a lot of ice and then mix it up and you sip it as like your recovery drink. Um, so sometimes I'll mix it up and then take it with, if I do a high intensity workout, I'll just mix it up and then just kind of carry it around with me throughout the day. And I'll, I'll maybe add a little bit more water to it. Uh, it doesn't really last all day. It usually lasts a few hours, but, uh, I'll add a little bit more water to it as it gets a little salty at the end. And on my workout days, it has made such a difference. I don't feel like thirsty and empty throughout the day. I don't have any of that emptiness or, um, uh, dizziness. And sometimes when I used to stand up, this was all last summer, when I would work out and I'd stand up, I'd immediately get dizzy. And that has not happened at all. Uh, I, I, I know that I would not be able to keep up three workouts a, a week if I didn't have element, mostly because I'm working out my garage and it's hot. But I mean, it's summer and it's hot everywhere. So <laughs> you're going to need it. Um, so what I recommend doing is grabbing our free sample pack of Element. Um, it's drinklmnt.com slash wellfed. Again, drink and then the letters lmnt.com forward slash wellfed. All you have to do is pay for the shipping and you'll get a free sample box. So you can try a bunch of flavors. And if you've already done that and you want to stock up on your favorite flavors, Go to our our um, link, which is drinklmnt.com slash wellfed, and then get, if you order three boxes, you'll get one for free. And again, this is paleo-friendly, no added sugars, no fillers, no artificial ingredients. It's, of course, gluten-free. So this is the best electrolyte replacement on the market. I mean, in my humble opinion. Uh, After you order your sample box, uh, let me know what flavor you liked best. I've been talking a lot about (laughs) exploring flavors, but let me just give it to you. I they have a new watermelon melon flavor, and that's my favorite. Raspberries also awesome, and they have grapefruit 
I don't like grapefruit, but I like this. It's good. It's like a combination of tart and sweet. It's not too sweet, so it's not as sweet as watermelon because I know a lot of you don't like that super sweetness. I do, but... um, and so I would recommend trying grapefruit while it's here. It's just a limited run. Um, they just launched it actually this week. So uh, grab grapefruit if you're going to go ahead and buy some boxes. Raspberry, again, is also my favorite. Watermelon citrus salt tastes like a light margarita without, you know, the alcohol. Um, all of the flavors are really, really good. So drink lmnt.com slash wellfed. Now let me bring on Alexandra. Alexandra Peto is a registered dietitian nutritionist and a mother of two little ones. As a specialist in maternal nutrition, her practice Thrive and Bloom Nutrition supports women as they transition from preconception through pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. Through individual coaching of group workshops, she empowers moms to prioritize their health and break free from the diet cycle to go from just surviving to truly thriving. Well, welcome, Alexandra. I'm so excited you're here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So one of the things that I love about your work is that you really focus on um, the postpartum experience. And 99% of the focus when it comes to having babies is on the pregnancy. And I get it. That's important, right? It's important to know all the things and eat all the right things. And like, we're, you know, you're about to have a baby. So that's a really big time and you're learning a lot. But just as equally important, if not more for women, is the the postpartum time and the postpartum experience. And women are largely left to figure it out on their own. Like, I know I was, and it was a a complete mess. And it can be one of the most challenging times in life, both physically and emotionally. And if it's not like butterflies and flowers and wonderfulness, you're, you're, you think you're doing it wrong, right? You're like, what is wrong with me? This is not working. So as a dietitian, what made you really want to dive into the postpartum nutrition and body and body image, um, what what made you want to focus on that in your practice? Yeah. So when I started out, I actually, you know, I knew I loved the maternal nutrition space and, you know, ever since learning about it in school, I just found it so fascinating that, you know, our nutrition during preconception and pregnancy and breastfeeding that that nutrition base could have such a big impact on, you know, the health of both mom and baby. And so I I really loved that dynamic. And then, so I started out kind of in the prenatal space, you know, like you said, that's where all the focus is. And then, and after I had my own daughter, um, and then just realized, wow, the the drop off of support in the health, you know, the healthcare system, and then um, just just general like society's focus on on pregnancy versus postpartum, just experiencing that disconnect. Um, I, when I went to start my own practice, I knew I wanted to make sure that postpartum was a big focus um, because I just felt like from a healthcare perspective and just, you know, community perspective, that is where moms needed more support. So when I decided to, you know, go into my private practice, I, I do work with women throughout the transition. But when I created my, especially my social media page, I wanted to lend that voice to the area um, of maternal health and nutrition that I felt like needed, needed more voices in, um, in that space. And so, you know, from, from my own experience, and then wanting to be that support that I felt like I didn't have, um, just just trying to pay it forward there. And then it's, it's really become one of my passions, you know, like I said, starting out in the pregnancy space, which is so fun and fulfilling as well. But it's just really rewarding to be able to be that support for other women in this postpartum phase. Yeah, it's I I guess it's something that you have to go through on your own before you realize like, wow, because really, when you think about having kids, you think about pregnancy, and then the baby's here. And then it's like Mm -hmm. more it's a focus is really on the kid, right? And the kids milestones. And you don't actually get to like no folk. I never before I experienced it. I never thought about like what happens to me after the baby other than you recover and then your real your focus is you need to get your body back right you need to lose weight um and that's really all it is and it's interesting because that focus the focus of 
weight loss and getting your body back works in direct like contrast to what you actually need to do, which is like support your body, restore lost nutrients. Like pregnancy is really depleting. Birth is really (laughs) depleting. And so it's like years of work to restore function, uh, proper pelvic floor function from like a workout Mm -hmm. perspective and, and core function and then like restore nutrient depletion. And so I think women dig themselves in such a hole because mm-hmm. they do the exact opposite of what they need to do because of, you know, the world, the world standards that we put on women, especially after they have babies. And it's interesting. I don't know if you remember if you had these feelings or if you if you had this feeling as a child, but I even remember as a little girl um, just kind of having this understanding of like, oh, after pregnancy, you have to get your body back. And I actually was kind of scared like I was dreading that, like as high school and, and in college, I remember thinking, oh, I don't want to be that person that like gains all the weight and is it can't lose it like this. I, I'm just dreading that whole part, you know, and I, I, I like what a horrible mindset <laughs> like that was instilled in me before I was even like thinking about children when I was still a child myself. Yeah, it's so pervasive. And that is, you know, even while you're pregnant, or, you know, as you're saying, even before that's kind of even on your radar, that is what people ask. I remember being pregnant and coworkers saying, Oh, so what's your plan, you know, after you have the baby to get the body back? Like, I haven't even had the baby yet. Like, let's focus one thing at a time here. And, you know, the just the priorities of, you know, that is the thing that our society values most versus the health, you know, how is mom doing after having baby? How is her recovery going? What's, you know, how's her mental health in that space? Um, So there's so many other more important questions that we should be asking. Mm. So let's dive into nutrition after pregnancy. What are the key nutrients that women should be focusing on postpartum after that baby comes? Since we've obviously been depleted, we've gone through this major life event. And a lot of times, you know, we've gone through a, a really like excruciating birth process. I think birth, no matter how it's done, is fairly taxing and excruciating. (laughs) So what are some of those nutrients that we need to focus on maybe early on and even months and months after pregnancy or after birth? Yes. So early on, you know, that is really our acute recovery. And so if we're, you know, doing the analogy of birth and uh, delivery as a marathon or, you know, a really intensive athletic event, and, you know, that is what it is, um, or it could be, you know, major surgery. So either way you think about it, um, you really need to focus on that recovery nutrition. And that, you know, at a overall baseline, we're just thinking of getting enough energy, getting enough calories, because the body's needs, energy needs are going to be higher, especially in that acute uh, several weeks after having the baby more. So, you know, we have a lot of focus on third trimester pregnancy, making sure you you're eating enough to, for baby's growth and development in that, um, recovery postpartum phase, especially for breastfeeding as well, those nutrient needs are higher than they ever were in pregnancy. And so baseline, just making sure we're eating enough, getting the calories. But then if we peel back the layer there, um, there are certain nutrients that we want to focus in on a little bit more protein being a key one, um, because we are repairing tissues, wound healing, whether it's a C-section, you know, healing that scar and those tissues, um, that had to be separated. Um, or if even an uncomplicated vaginal delivery, even if there weren't you know, an episiotomy or tears or anything internally, there's wound, um, from delivering the placenta. And so there is healing that needs to be done. And so protein is going to be essential. Um, and then micronutrients really are important as well for, um, you know, serving as kind of the cofactors to that tissue repair process. Um, so some of the ones we try to focus in on are going to be vitamin A and vitamin C and zinc, um, blood loss is another factor. So thinking of nutrients important there, iron is a big one um, because, 
you know, del- whether again, what, no matter what kind of delivery you had there, there's going to be blood loss for weeks. Um, and so making sure we're repleting those nutrients. And like you said, we're kind of also having an eye to how the pregnancy went. Um, and just because pregnancy is so taxing nutritionally, um, and so many of our nutrients are being, you know, shuttled to the baby, then we need to be doing that repletion as well. And so kind of thinking about all those different elements is why nutrition is so important postpartum and why it's, you know, higher needs in that phase, because we're combining so many different elements. We're combining healing. We're combining supporting this process of, you know, lactation and continuing to divert nutrition to the baby. We're thinking about pure energy production and thinking about how like the physical demands of caring for a newborn, um, coupled with sleep disruption. Um, we're, we're thinking about so many of these different elements and the repletion factor of making up for whatever was lost, um, or lowered throughout pregnancy. And so combining all of those together, it becomes really key to, to be focusing on some of these different nutrients. So you mentioned uh, talking about the C-section scar and all of that. Are, are there different uh, nutrients that women should consider depending on the type of birth that they had? Um, so the, the main thing that we think about when, when we're considering the different births um, is there are definitely more similarities and differences. Um, and so overall, the, the, the nutrients we're going to focus on, the eating style, you know, making sure we're getting, you know, frequent meals in to make sure we're, we're meeting those nutrition needs. That's going to be applicable no matter what birth you had. Um, but we want to, you know, be aware of what that birth was like, you know, was there, um, more blood loss, uh, mm-hmm. than, than average. And for C-section deliveries, there tends to be more blood loss. Um, or if you have like a C-section or a fourth degree tear, then yeah, maybe we want to be focusing a little bit more on making sure we're really getting that protein in throughout the day and getting enough calories for that healing, which might be a little bit more intensive than someone with an uncomplicated delivery. So all, all deliveries are going to require extra nutrition. Some we might need to be, you know, just thinking of some of those different factors a little bit more. Um, another aspect would be, you know, the medications that you may have received, um, during delivery. So, you know, did you, did you have to receive antibiotics or pain medications? And, you know, depending on what, uh, medications you did receive that is going to influence our nutrition a bit. Um, so thinking antibiotics, the change to the gut microbiome. So really wanting to nurture that, um, maybe focusing on some probiotic foods or supplements, um, for pain medications that can sometimes alter the, the gut transit time. And so can make you a little bit more prone to constipation, which can be really hard and, and challenging, especially after delivery. Um, and so, uh, thinking about how we can support, um, bowel regularity with nutrition, whether it's, you know, focusing in on some more fiber and fluids or magnesium to help support, um, easier bowel movement. So, thinking about all these different factors and, and it's not necessarily one birth or the other, but each individual's birth, you know, what, what went into that? And is there something that we need to make adjustments for nutritionally? I just want to take a moment to remind you to go ahead and put on your blue blocks glasses. In the last few weeks, there have been days where I don't realize I'm not wearing my blue light blocking glasses while looking at screens. And if I don't have them on while just doing normal stuff, like working on my computer, my phone, and then at night watching a show with the kids, I am a disaster. I have horrible eye strain, headaches, nausea, and trouble sleeping. This is because blue light is incredibly stimulating and can negatively impact your circadian rhythms. In 2021, I firmly believe proactively filtering out blue light with Blue Block's computer and their Sleep Plus glasses is an absolute necessity. The Blue Block's computer glasses filter out all the harsh blue light 
we experience when looking at our screens. They're clear, they don't have a color. And then the Sleep Plus glasses block all blue and green light between 400 nanometers to 550 nanometers, which is the exact range that has been shown in clinical trials to disrupt melatonin and negatively impact our sleep. To get our special 15% discount, go to blueblocks.com slash wellfed. That's blueblocks, so B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash wellfed. And then our code is wellfed at checkout. These glasses are super high quality. They are comfortable and they are stylish. I don't mind wearing them all day. I don't even realize I'm wearing them. I actually have three pairs because I'm extra, but I, I wanted a spare in case I lost mine, which has actually happened and it was awful. They were actually stuck in the couch cushions. Uh, I love the look of the frames. And if you need help picking anything, anything out, just come over to our Well-Fed Women Holistic Health community on Facebook and I can help. Again, that's blueblocks.com slash wellfed. And then use our code WELLFED for 15% off and you'll get free shipping worldwide. Hmm. So this is a big question and I think this is a common misconception. I get a lot of comments like, well, it's been two and a half months since I gave birth and I still am not working out or I'm still not into it or I still haven't got my body back. So like how mm -hmm. long does it take like the body to actually recover and get back to what is, you know, quote unquote, maybe a normal functioning yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And I think there are certain elements to the way our society or the healthcare system is set up that lend itself to that notion of postpartum being that short time period. So, you know, the six week checkup and getting cleared for exercise or sex or, you know, getting the, um, that, okay in a way can make it feel like okay postpartum's over or you know the end of a maternity leave or the concept of um the fourth trimester which i think is a really mm -hmm. it can be, ben a be beneficial concept because it's bringing focus that okay let's extend um our you know attention past delivery um but in a way it's also kind of boxing into that 12 week um three month type uh, time structure. And so I think, and it is so variable, but I think, you know, at least a year, um, there, there's so much that needs to be healed and repleted. And I know you mentioned like the pelvic floor and, you know, all these physical changes in, um, our bodies, it's, it takes a long time. And so, um, some things may, you know, you may feel normalized much more rapidly than that. And other people, you know, they may find it takes, you know, two years for um, some of these changes to to really start feeling um, like they've adjusted a little bit more. So so definitely expanding that definition of postpartum there. There's also the concept of, OK, once you've had a baby, you're you're postpartum forever. And so there is no like definite um, end point. And it really just depends on on what that woman experienced, what her timeline of recovery is going to look like. Yeah. Um, I think it's so interesting because uh, actually I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, um, one Peloton, the app and, and the bike, but, uh, one of the lead trainers, her name's Robin. She just had a baby and she just did a post talking about like how she's, and this is even a new term to me, which is like, ugh, I'm showing my age, but snapback culture. Mm -hmm. um, she did a post about how she's just, how snapback culture is so toxic. Mm -hmm. And there's so many women that are that were commenting on this post talking about how, and these were like trainer, Peloton trainers and train, like, like, you know, personal trainers and, and just even just people who like to work out were saying how it took them at least, you know, 18 months to about two years before they felt like they could do high intensity training again, or mm -hmm. even like move their body in a way that was like, oh, this is a workout. I can like pick up a heavy weight here, something, you know, outside of walking or doing some PT work, working on pelvic floor stuff. And so I just feel like we have to normalize that. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's so, it's just so, I don't, I, it, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head with the idea that, 
you know, our culture sort of at six weeks, it's like, okay, you're clear. <laughs> Check, you're clear. And so at six weeks, we think, okay, well, we can get back to it. And the truth of the matter is your body, you may be cleared from like, okay, you didn't have any major complications physically from this like traumatic physical event, but you are in no way like back to normal physically, mentally, emotionally. Oh, and by the way, you have a newborn who doesn't <laughs> sleep, which by the way means you're not sleeping, right? And yeah. so because our body is under an extraordinary amount of stress and especially when we're not sleeping um, and maybe we're going through these big mental and emotional shifts, struggling with postpartum anxiety or depression and hormonal changes, all of that plays into what our body is experiencing and what it can take on. So not only are we deficient in nutrients, not only are we, you know, our pelvic floor and our core is just not working properly anymore, like we've got to proactively do things to fix it, but we're also under an extraordinary amount of stress. Even if we hadn't been through all of that stuff, our body is still under an extraordinary amount of stress just with having a small human be very dependent on you and you not sleeping. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, it's one of the most, I think, messed up things that women have to experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's this idea that like at six weeks, it's like, you're good. Or they get 12 weeks at home with baby and then they have to go back, you know, quote unquote, back to life. Um, mm -hmm. and that's just not true. So, uh, let's talk about breastfeeding. Um, well, calorically, what are the like nutrition requirements of breastfeeding, both calorically and then like what nutrients should we be focusing on primarily to make our breast milk, you know, healthy for baby, but also like taking care of our own body? Because like we just said, you know, pregnancy depletes all these nutrients and now we're giving mm -hmm. nutrients again to our baby. So, yeah. What about that? Yeah. So I think it we can think about it in a couple different ways of how how breastfeeding is affecting our nutrition. And so one of the ways is that that what you eat, you know, the nutrients from your diet are transferred into the breast milk. So, you know, choosing different foods and getting that variety in can be one way to influence the nutrient level of breast milk. Now there are other nutrients in the diet um, that are not affected by what you eat um, in terms of their level in the breast milk. And so what that means is that it's going to be more transferred from your maternal stores. Um, so example of that would be something like calcium. So even if you're not eating enough calcium during the day, the body is still going to maintain the optimal level of calcium in the breast milk. And it does that by pulling from, you know, your mineral deposits in the bones and making sure that is protected for the breast milk. And so sometimes it's going to be pulled from mom's maternal, you know, stores in her body. Other times it's pulled from the diet. Um, but in both situations, it kind of circles back to needing to have the, the right balance of those foods coming in to support optimal levels of these nutrients in breastfeeding. When it comes to the calorie question, um, lactogenesis, lactation, that concept of creating breast milk, it requires energy um, for the body. And so the estimate that's, you know, thrown out there is about 500 calories a day. And that is, you know, it, it's going to change the actual energy needs for breastfeeding is affected by how much breastfeeding you're doing, how much milk you're producing. Um, so it, it varies a bit. Um, but I think the important thing to understand when you hear that number thrown out is that it doesn't mean you have to count calories and, you know, find, you know, an extra like meal, you know, piece together that 500 calories and, you know, worry about calculating it. It's really just a reflection of the energy needs for that process in the body. And that's why it really becomes so important to pay attention to your appetite signals, because if you are experiencing, you know, more hunger and um, cravings of that nature, then that could be a really good signal that your body does need a little bit more fuel to support that intensive process. Um, so, you know, we can get into the details of you know, nutrients that are affected by by mom's diet and um, 
you know, in the research, a lot of that is focused on baby's health. There isn't so much um, about, you know, the differences in mom's diet while breastfeeding and how that impacts, you know, mom's nutrient stores and, and her health. So definitely, you know, another indication of society's priorities and, you know, the, the research um, funding there. Um, but I think we don't have to obsess over, you know, am I getting every single, you know, nutrient out there? Or if I don't, something's going to be wrong with my milk. It's not going to be good enough for the baby. Definitely want to take that pressure down. You know, no matter your diet, your breast milk is going to be an amazing gift for your child. Um, we want to make sure that we're not getting depleted. And so, Doing some simple things like continuing, you know, a high quality prenatal supplement throughout the whole course of breastfeeding, not just, you know, for a couple of weeks or the six weeks or the three months, you know, throughout breastfeeding. Um, and just getting a variety of nutrient dense foods in the diet. Um, if you're concerned, like if you have particular, you know, restrictions, if you're vegetarian or if you have allergies or, you know, just picky eating or having trouble piecing together, you know, a varied diet, then yeah, get some support and like, let's see, um, are there gaps that we need to, to be filling in? But overall, you're probably doing better than you think. Um, and uh, it's not something that we need to get, you know, super particular about. Mm. Do you recommend besides a prenatal breastfeeding women supplement with anything like omega-3s or vitamin D or anything like that? Yeah. So that um, is definitely going to be dependent on what the baseline diet is like. So, you know, if someone is regularly having three servings of salmon a week, then, okay, probably don't need to add, you know, a DHA or EPA supplement on top of that. Um, mm -hmm. But if fatty fish isn't really prevalent in the diet, then that definitely could be a consideration. Um, vitamin D, depending on what supplement prenatal supplement you're taking. Um, oftentimes we may want to, um, add another vitamin D on top of that. So it, 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 we base it on, you know, what's your, your diet looking like right now? What is your, um, baseline multivitamin, your prenatal, and then are there gaps that we would need to, um, supplement with, with others? Choline is another one that we definitely would want to, um, check in it, the, the levels in the supplement, the levels in your diet, um, and supplement on top of that if needed. Where is, um, choline found in food? So yeah, the biggest source is going to be eggs, um, especially the egg yolks. Um, and that's where most, um, Americans are getting their, um, choline from. There's going to be some in more foods like soybeans and even some in like chicken. And, um, but the most concentrated sources is eggs and also liver. Um, so if liver is, um, a part of your diet, then you may be, um, closer than you think. But for the general person, um, eggs are going to be much more likely to be in the diet. Yeah. What are some of those nutrient gaps that you see? Because I think we, we hear a lot about iron and B vitamins and omega-3 and stuff like that. Are, are t people typically not getting enough of those if they're not actually focused on it? Because I think sometimes we get a little like if like I know for me personally, if I'm not actually focusing on something, it can get forgotten. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I just realized last week that I hadn't had salmon in about two weeks and I was like, I should probably have some fish, you know. So are there are there are there gaps? that you typically see breastfeeding women kind of uh, forget? And then, oh, and I also have a follow-up question about um, choline. How, what's sufficient choline in the diet? Is it two egg yolks or is it, does it have to be a little bit more than that? Or what, what's the good intake for that? Yeah. Um, so in terms of the, the gaps that are, that tend to be more common. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say the ones that we've mentioned so far are definitely um, important ones that we want to double check on. And I think that the, the DHA and the EPA, those omega threes that we really see connected to the, you know, the cognitive development and the neurological development, those are, tend to be, um, nutrients that can be neglected just because they aren't in as diverse an array of foods as some other nutrients. Um, so, you know, for, for something like, um, you know, vitamin B12, if you are eating, um, animal products and you have 
a, a range of meats and, um, you know, eggs and, and dairy foods, then you're probably getting that B12 dose. If you're vegetarian or vegan, then that might be one we want to get a little bit more intentional about, add some supplements. Um, but something like DHA, um, EPA, it's really going to be concentrated in those fatty fish. So that's a very, more of a specific food um, that if you aren't intentionally including that, then that could be one that, like you said, you know, might not be there every day. And so we need to, um, you know, take that evaluation of the diet. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with choline, like the, the foods, there are the nutrients that are in, not in uh, as many foods, um, then those can be the ones that we um, see gaps in more often. Yeah. Um, for the choline, um, the goal for breastfeeding is 550 milligrams. And um, usually that is, it, it helps to get some in a supplement um, and some in the diet. So having something like, you know, a supplement that has a baseline of like 300 milligrams of choline, then if you have two, two eggs, during the day and, you know, maybe you, you get some trace amounts and some other foods, then you'd be hitting that level. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good call. I, th I think when and I you're you're spot on about like not obsessing and not trying to be overwhelmed. I think taking uh, continuing to take your prenatal so that you do have the folate is is a lot of people actually don't um, know about that. I've gotten a lot of questions about that. So Yes, keep taking your prenatal even until you're nursing like once a day. Um, and then uh, the choline, so regular egg yolks. You mentioned B12, which is really important. And that is something that's in organ meats and like grass-fed meats and stuff like that um, and fatty fish. And iron. So if you, if you're getting a lot of the, the nutrients that we tend, you tend to see gaps in that you mentioned, um, if you're eating, like for me in particular, when I was, you know, doing all the, the breastfeeding thing, I would really just try to make sure that I got every few, you know, every few days, a good source of fish, some good grass fed meat. I ate eggs every morning and took my mm -hmm. prenatal, um, got insufficient carbs and calories, right? Mm -hmm. That's a huge issue, which we're going to jump into here in a second. Your leafy greens, so a big salad every night. And you're going to, your, your milk's going to be good, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be good. And, um, drinking in the electrolytes is really helpful too. So I love that you say like not to obsess and go crazy over it, eat a nutrient dense diet and just make sure you're eating sufficient calorie calories and carbohydrate, um, mm -hmm. so that you're not, you know, dragging your feet. Are there any foods that are contraindicated for breastfeeding? Um, so there isn't really a food that is contraindicated for breastfeeding. There's some like herbs that, um, could affect milk supply. So those like peppermint or sage in concentrated doses, some women may see, um, negative impacts in milk supply there. But typically if you're, you know, just flavoring a meal with sage or, or peppermint, many women won't see any impact there. So it's something you can, you know, be mindful of. Um, mm -hmm. But overall, um, there's, you know, every food um, is pretty much on the table. There are some, like if we're thinking about um, the foods that could be at risk for contamination with heavy metal. So if we're like high mercury fish, that would be something, you know, in general, we all, we all should be thinking about that, but especially hmm. you would want to be a little bit more cautious, especially with breastfeeding um, in terms of, you know, we want to reduce that risk of transferring those to the baby. And so, you know, avoiding those high mercury fish like swordfish or shark or, supplements like protein powders that aren't third-party tested that could have a higher risk of having those contaminants with like lead or hmm. um, arsenic or things like that. You want to be more careful there. So um, it's not an absolute, you can't have this particular food for breastfeeding, but you just might want to be a little bit more cautious um, with some of those foods that could be contaminated um, or some of those, um, those herbs. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And then is tuna, tuna's a pretty high contaminant fish, right? 
Um, so if you have like, especially the chunk light or the skipjack tuna, um, that one's pretty low in mercury. It's something that you could definitely have um, somewhat frequently. Got it. Yeah. And that makes me think too, like uh, one of the things, one of the reasons too, that I was all of a sudden like kind of a little bit um, wary. Well, actually what made me change out all of my makeup and skincare was realizing that a lot of the stuff that we put on topically, um, some of those heavy metal contaminants, they are detectable in breast milk, which mm -hmm. sounds really scary, but it's actually a very easy fix. Like just switching to a non-aluminum deodorant is huge. Like that is a must. <laughs> if you do that mm -hmm. ever, please do that now. Um, and also there, you know, there are some contaminants like in lipstick, like a lot of lipsticks have been, um, that are not tested for contaminants when they were tested. They found that a lot of them had lead. So using a company that is forthright with ingredients doesn't have endocrine disruptors like par parabens and phylates, which are, which are detectable in breast milk and do additional testing for heavy metals, um, is crucial. And there's like plenty of companies now that do that, which is really encouraging. Um, and that's another little small step that like, like you said, I think it's healthy for, when, it, when we're pregnant, we're breastfeeding, we become more aware of all these things, mm -hmm. but it's actually a, a good health shift just in general, you know, right. for our body overall. Um, so let's talk about body image. So, and, and this is kind of a crossover question, but is it true that women will automatically lose weight and get their body back when they're breastfeeding? Because I feel like a lot of women... Uh, who breastfeed and don't lose weight easily feel guilt. And then all the women who don't breastfeed uh, or can't breastfeed feel guilt because they, you know, they didn't get that opportunity to lose weight. So where did that come from? And is it actually true? Or is there any science, you know, behind that statement? Yeah. So, I mean, it comes from that idea we were talking about earlier about the calories needed to support lactation. And so the idea being, okay, if it takes this estimated 500 calories a day to breastfeed, then I will eventually lose, you know, X amount of pounds in a week because I am decreasing my intake by 500 calories and all of that. Um, but it's much more nuanced than that. So, the, the answer to your question is not necessarily do women automatically lose weight while breastfeeding. Many do. Um, some, you know, there's just such a spectrum. And so that's the, the main takeaway when we're considering weight loss postpartum or weight, you know, transitioning after having a baby is that you have some women who, you know, they struggle to keep weight on. It's just, you know, whether there it's, you know, stress and breastfeeding and it's just like coming off and they, some, some struggle with that. Um, whereas others, they feel like they haven't lost a pound after having the baby. And, um, it can be so many different factors at play. Um, hormones are a big one. You know, some women, they find that until they wean, they just don't see any, any weight changes or at least, um, don't see the, the weight changes that they were, looking for, um, because their body is holding on to, you know, some level of energy reserves for breastfeeding. Um, so it, it's not one size fits all. And that's, I think one of the, the struggles that so many women face is because there is that narrative that this is how it's going to be. You know, when you breastfeed, the pounds just melt away. Um, and so when, I mean, at least in my practice and, you know, anecdotally talking with women, it seems that can be more the exception than the rule. A lot of women don't have that experience and then they, you know, feel like it's their fault that they're mm -hmm. doing something wrong. Um, are they, you know, not eating the right way or, you know, what's going on with them? Is there some hormone issue um, because their weight isn't melting off the way they were told should? Um, and I think that's, you know, those expectations and that that narrative is really um, at the core of so many struggles postpartum. And so I think when we peel that down, and I know you mentioned this earlier, like normalize what a real postpartum experience is, and that it looks so different for each person, I think that's where we can start realizing, okay, you know, my experience 
is not abnormal. You know, nothing's wrong with me. This is just how my body is reacting right now. Um, I think that can be really powerful. Hmm. Let's talk about realistic, realistic (laughs) weight loss. I tried to combine the two there. Um, Realistic weight loss after baby. Should women go back to the weight that they were before pregnancy or is it normal for the body to shift and have a new set point? Mm-hmm. So I think this is, yeah, a good way to build off the, the last question because it's so variable. Um, so you will see some people revert back to a pre-pregnancy weight, whereas others adjust to a new set point. And I think one of the important factors here is that um, even those who do get back to a pre-pregnancy weight, you know, many women still find that their bodies are still so different. And so the focus on the weight number can also be um, a bit of an illusion sometimes because there's so much that's tied to that number or that pre-pregnancy, um, you know, more than just the weight. Um, so a lot of times we're, we're tying in, you know, what our lives kind of were like in that pre-pregnancy stage, like craving that, you know, the control you might have felt over your body or, the, you know, that autonomy um, uh, that you might not be experiencing in motherhood or the strength and the energy levels or, you know, the mm-hmm. stamina that you had or, you know, just that familiarity or the comfort that 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 weight had for you. Um, and so I think sometimes it's doing some evaluation on, you know, what is it about the the weight that is drawing me there um, and knowing that maybe we can focus on some of those other factors um, to to help give you some of that sense if if that weight doesn't seem to be realistic for your body right now. And I think, again, normalizing that aspect that there are so many other factors that contribute to weight and where your body um, is meant to be beyond just, you know, what you're eating. Um, there's there's genetics and hormones and, you know, health conditions. What else is going on in your picture? Um, so, again, kind of distancing that weight is not your fault um, and giving yourself the space to kind of adjust to this new life stage and supporting your body from the inside out. So I think, you know, one of my biggest focuses is let's, you know, it, it is fine if, you know, weight is so often, you know, maybe a driving force of thinking about your nutrition and what matters to you. Um, but let's peel that back a little bit and start supporting you know, the way you're feeling, let's get that, that nourishing factor in place. Um, let's replete those nutrients. Let's, let's start with those healthy habits and kind of build from there, um, and, and help your body that way. So, so focus on health instead of weight loss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, surprise. Cause they're not interchange. It's not one in the same. Like right. weight loss doesn't automatically mean more healthy and you don't have to lose weight to become healthier. So, yeah. All right. Let's jump into questions. Um, This one's from uh, Amy. She says, how can I accept my body will never be the same after baby? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I've talked about this too, Alexander. Like, you know, I have a lot of stretch marks and and stomach now. And there's just things that literally no nothing will do to change it besides plastic surgery. But like nothing, you know, I could do that is is. I could change it. So how do we accept that things will never be the same? And how do we accept things that we just don't like? Like, what are some actionable tips for that? Yeah. So I think first is acknowledging that you don't have to love everything about your body. So I think there's a lot of pressure that, you know, it's one or the other, either you're in this um, zone of, you know, trying to lose weight and, you know, hating your body and things like that. Or you have to just like throw all that away and say, Oh no, I love everything. And both of those extremes can feel, you know, really scary and not like a place that feels natural to you, um, or that you want to be. And so allowing yourself to occupy space in the middle and say, okay, maybe I don't have to love everything about my body, but, um, I can respect what my body's done. I can try to find value in my body right now and knowledge that I can care 
and um, support my body where it is now. So doing some work in that middle space um, feels feels more comfortable for a lot of people. Um, and then I think acknowledging that that the change is normal. It sounds like you know that that's already um, kind of present um, with this person. You know, knowing that the body is not going to be the same and just acknowledging that that is normal. I mean, just think about the the drastic undertaking that just occurred with growing a human from scratch, delivering it out of your body, um, continuing to support and nourish and care for this baby. Um, it is huge. And so it makes a lot of sense that the body would change uh, going through that experience. Um, I think mm -hmm. another would be, um, and this is kind of glossed over a lot, I think is just wearing clothes that fit your body now. Um, so in pregnancy, obviously it's normal and accepted and no one bats an eye, you need to get new clothes for pregnancy. That's just what happens. Um, and postpartum, you're in this weird space of either trying to fit into like your third trimester maternity clothes that might be, you know, baggy in certain spaces or, you know, it just doesn't, it feels awkward. Um, or you're trying to fit back into pre-pregnancy clothes, which might not be right for your body now either. So it's this weird in between that, that nothing feels like it fits, nothing feels good. Um, and so if you are constantly in clothes that don't feel good, then it's completely natural and normal that that circles back to how you're feeling about your body and that you're not going to feel comfortable um, in your body. And so I think, um, you know, allowing yourself to to wear clothes that fit. I mean, it sounds more superficial, but it really does have an influence on how we're feeling throughout the day. If you have clothes that are constantly digging at you and feeling uncomfortable, you're always going to be reminded about you know, something that, that just doesn't feel right in your body. So I think that's, you know, one really tangible way that you can start caring for your body where it is now. Mm, yeah, I love that. And unfollow, I feel like I, there's a huge, you know, social media is a culture. And if you're following a bunch of people who are talking to you about getting your body back and showing off their six pack abs or their bodies or whatever, and saying like, you can have this if you follow my program or whatever, like that's not helpful. That's just going to kind of feed the the lie of you need to go back to what you were and you need, you shouldn't accept those changes. You need to fix them. So unfollow that fitness culture, that health culture or wellness culture and start following people like Alexandra, like, you know, people who are very realistic about, yeah, my body changed and it's, you know, it is what it is and it's fine. You know, like it's all fine. You can move on. Like your, your belly isn't your worth. Your stretch marks aren't, you know, right. tied to your worth. And so like you can live your life and, and wear clothes that fit, like you said, and, and do all the same things that you were doing before. It's not, it doesn't impact how you can enjoy your life. Um, and furthermore, like if something, you know, just hit me, like if something changed about the person that you loved in your life, if, if something changed about your spouse, you know, something changed about their body, would you not accept them anymore? Um, and I, I think the answer would be no. So, you know, that's, that the, that's the littlest thing that we can do for ourselves is, is at least accept ourselves, um, even with changes, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's a, a really great point in the exercise of talk to yourself as you would for someone you really love and care about, whether, you know, mm -hmm. your spouse, your friend, you know, whatever thoughts are gnawing at you, if, if someone else in your life came to you with, with that problem or, or that thought, like, how would you support them? Usually we're a lot more compassionate <laughs> towards other people that we care about in our lives than we are to ourselves. So kind of practicing that um, can give you a new perspective as well. This question is from Hannah, and um, Allie had a very similar question, which is, in the postpartum phase, you know, Hannah says that she's 30 pounds heavier than she was at four weeks postpartum. So how do you go back to watching what you eat after being able to eat whatever you want for a year and a half? And how do you find time to exercise? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sometimes it is like the the logistics that that go on the change um, postpartum and especially, you know, transitioning back to work in that situation or, you know, just the demands of caring for a baby all day and 
trying to reconcile those new demands with how do you continue to take care of yourself in the way that you did before you were pregnant and Mm -hmm. had a baby? So how do you fit in that movement and how do you, you know, fit in that helpful food and, you know, to continue to support your body? Um, So I think sometimes it's dialing in and and figuring out um, a way to continue that process without it being, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. So it doesn't have to be exactly the way it was before or, or nothing at all. We can find some of that middle ground. Can we do, you know, in the movement side of things, like, can we figure out five minutes here, 10 minutes there to incorporate movement with, with baby or, you know, while you're at a a desk for work or, you know, some of those different elements that we can start to incorporating some more of those self-care practices, um, in terms of eating, like, let's really take a look at your week. Let's take a look at the schedule and, figure out ways to have a gentle um, planning process so you feel like you aren't as stressed out about how to figure out what to eat throughout the week um, or, you know, some prepped options for you so you don't feel like you always have to go to takeout or, you know, a convenient option that maybe doesn't have the nutrition that you were hoping for. Um, So finding those little spaces in your day to bring some of that self-care back in can be really helpful. Oh, that's a really good point. And I just kind of saw like a mirror of of my own situation, which was, I think a lot of us did all these things and we had the mental capacity to do all these things, right? To meal prep, to make dinner, to work out like that's what we did. And when you have kids, all of that goes to the back burner. You are now taking care of other humans. And I think that because we had so many questions about how do we do this? How do we get back to our lives, you know, realistically? And I and we acknowledge like in pregnancy, you gain weight and it's normal for that weight to take a while to go back to where you were, not necessarily the same place, but to get get yourself back to a place where you are able to move and you have sort of the same stamina and and the same energy again, and you're able to exercise and you feel good. That's going to take a while because you now, your mental and emotional capacity is is focused on something else. And you just don't like, and this is, I think, what, the problem with some of this, why so many, so many women struggle is they don't have the mental capacity to put in three workouts a week and meal prepping and all that stuff in the first year because they're just trying to survive and stay motivated with everything they have to like keep on top of taking care of their child. So... I think that you will come to a natural place in your life. And I think all these questions that we got are kind of like, okay, I'm kind of ready. I kind of feel like I have some energy, some motivation, some willpower to start those habits again. And when you feel that, that's when you you need to take some action. It may take you know, hiring a trainer so that you have a little bit of accountability so that you can get back into the habit. It may take just saying, all right, I'm going to do one workout this week and I'm not going to put any pressure on myself to achieve some goal or whatever. Like I'm just going to do all body weight stuff or I'm going to go, you know, do one quick bike ride. Don't put any parameters around it so that it's not added stress. It's more time for you to, like Alexandra said, you know, have self-care and then slowly say, okay, what are some new recipes that I can try? Or can I sign up for like a little meal planning kit so that I can get back into the swing of things and start incorporating those habits again and, and like having that be a part of my life because that's exactly what happened somewhere around 18 months to two years postpartum for me it was like okay this isn't stress anymore this is what I want to do and now I'm starting to feel like I have that mental and emotional capacity you know to like put effort into into myself and like what I want to do and I just started with one workout a week and then kind of brought in another one and now I'm back into that routine and my body is like you know stronger and now I'm you know know, wearing some of the same clothes, although I did just buy a ton of new pants. Like he said, Alexander, like, yeah, clothes that fit. I was like, I'm just buying new jeans. The low rise stuff and all this, like, no, it's got to go, you know, like it's, it's gone. And so that I think when you start to feel ready, um, take that step and don't be nervous to like, don't be, you know, hesitant to get some accountability with like a, a personal trainer or something. If you need that external, you know, um, like, 
if you, if you're kind of driven that way, like you need somebody externally to say and hold you accountable and say like, this is what we're doing today. So yeah, I love um, it. I love that. Okay. Uh, a couple questions about breastfeeding. Um, Let's do, uh, this is a popular question from Lauren. She said, can you discuss breastfeeding beyond age one? Uh, is a mother's nutritional needs different than with an infant? So if somebody's, you know, breastfeeding into age one and their toddler, are their nutrition needs different from when they were breastfeeding their, their, their infant? Yeah, that's a great question. So research-wise, we don't have a lot about extended breastfeeding, especially the nutrition um, requirements or demands there. But, you know, theoretically um, and logically, what we know is that typically, if you're breastfeeding an older baby, they are going to be nursing less than an infant. Um, and so you are likely not creating milk in the same quantity as you were um, in the early days. So demands are going to be a little bit less um, as the baby grows and is having more solid foods. Um, but we still want to maintain um, that repletion mindset and continue with a prenatal supplement throughout that time. Um, it's one of the reasons why it's really helpful to be um, directing how you're eating uh, towards your appetite signal. So you can kind of see what your body is putting out there and um, how your body is responding to these demands um, so that as the milk supply and as the breastfeeding demands may decrease as the baby gets older, um, you can kind of self-regulate um, if your appetite kind of settles down um, and you can kind of modify it that way. Um, but yeah, in, in general, just kind of continuing and, and paying attention to the body signals and continuing with the, the supplementation and a nourishing diet is really all you need to focus on. Hmm. Uh, this is another pos uh, popular question. So talk to me about weaning, what, what, what women can expect with that, and then um, getting your period back postpartum like what's within the range of normal especially if somebody's like just weaned from um breastfeeding or maybe even not is it can women get their period back and then you know start to try to conceive again within while they're breastfeeding yeah so that's another huge range of um reactions to and when you get your period back some will breastfeed and exclusively breastfeed and still get it back, you know, within a month or two. And others don't get it back for if especially extended breastfeeding. It could be years and um, until they completely wean. So everyone's body reacts a little bit differently to the, the hormones that are altered when you're breastfeeding. Um, if you have weaned from breastfeeding and it's been several months and still haven't gotten a period, then that's definitely worth investigating. Um, so, you know, get someone to take a look at your, your hormones, your thyroid hormones, sex hormones, um, seeing if there could be anything going on, um, and also eating enough. So, you know, maybe work with a dietitian to make sure that you have the, the nutrient requirements to support menstruation, because that is another aspect that is nutritionally demanding. Um, and your body needs to feel safe and nourished in order to, uh, open itself up for reproduction. And so, that is another factor to consider if, if it's not coming back and you've weaned. If you're still breastfeeding, then that is likely the reason that um, your period hasn't come back. Um, with weaning, just in general, there there is the potential for um, mood changes. Um, there, some people do experience uh, symptoms of depression with the weaning, just due to the hormone fluctuations. Sometimes there's also the emotion, emotional toll of you know that phase of life ending, or you know it could be feeling um, guilt or pressure or, or anything else. Um, it, it's an emotionally charged experience, and then with the hormone changes, kind of coupling all this factors together, um, it can set you up for some mood changes. Um, so definitely have a mental health practitioner or therapist, um, you know, on call um, if, if you experience any of those changes and need some more support. 
Does any supplements help during that time? I mean, I, I'm guessing magnesium. Is, are there like, should women explore adaptogens? Like, what is the, is is it hormones? Is it like hormone imbalances or just the hormone fluctuations that would cause some of those shifts when weaning? Or is, it, you know, and, and would then the solution be like balancing hormones? Yeah, it's the fluctuations just as they start normalizing. And as, you know, we see the oxytocin and the prolactin come down with the weaning and then the, the estrogen progesterone are allowed to then kind of come back into play. Um, so as they settle in, um, it can lead to to some of that, those mood changes. Uh, adaptogens could definitely, you know, play a role and help with mood support. Um, we don't have a ton of research on or, or much at all um, in terms of adaptogens for that, that purpose, but um, it, it's definitely a possibility. Hmm. Um, and the one thing I wanted to mention too, cause you, you said thyroid. And so a couple questions that we got is like, why did I gain all this weight postpartum? You know, why did I have this 30 pound weight gain or whatever postpartum? Definitely recommend checking out You're getting a full yes. thyroid panel. And if you're, if you have some sort of hypothyroidism or maybe Hashimoto's or something's triggered and then stress is, you know, all on top of that and you have a little bit of adrenal dysfunction and you're just stressed, like, that could absolutely be the reason for it. Um, and so that's where working with a, a dietitian or a functional medicine practitioner would really help because you're going to be able to get some of that stuff, lab work, and see, all right, what's going on with my hormones? What's going on with my thyroid? How can I eat in a way to support that? And how can I maybe treat the root cause of, of what's going on there? So you definitely deserve support and you deserve to like have specialized, you know, functional medicine practitioner and, and, and help with a dietitian. Um, moving forward. Don't, you know, it's not all about baby. It's about you too. Last question before we jump off is what is the role that collagen can play in healing? Yeah. So it, it's not something that we have direct studies looking at collagen in the postpartum healing space. Um, but, you know, looking at some of the functions of collagen, we can kind of translate some of that information to, to this life stage. And so, you know, Collagen at, at its basic um, source is different amino acids um, connected together and that it plays a role in connective tissue and um, strength and function of, of the tissues. And so when we're thinking about postpartum healing and repairing those tissues and, you know, skin integrity and, and wound healing, then we do need those building blocks um, for, for that process. So, Consuming collagen can be um, helpful. It's not the only way to support that process, though. So it's not like you need to consume collagen in order to support collagen synthesis in the body um, because the body is going to break down the proteins that you're consuming from a variety of foods um, and use them to repair and rebuild the, that tissue structure. So it can definitely be an option for you to help meet those needs to get those amino acids um, that are important for, for collagen synthesis. Um, there's also other nutrients and some of the ones we were mentioning at the beginning for recovery like that vitamin C um, is going to play a role in the collagen formation as well. So it, it's mm. more more than just needing to eat collagen to support your body's collagen synthesis, but it can um, be an option to provide those amino acids that are important. So it's not a cure-all, but it can be um, helpful. Got it. Thank you, Alexandra. We covered a lot today. I appreciate you answering all the questions and, and, you know, giving us your knowledge. You are postpartum nutritionist on Instagram. You do a lot of fun stuff and a lot of education. So everybody go follow her. Where else can we find uh, what you're doing? And if um, people want to work with you, where can they find you? Yeah, so connecting on Instagram is um, a great place. My website is um, thriveandbloomnutrition.com. That's the name of my private practice. So you can read there or, or on Instagram. And yeah, I'd love to connect. And thanks so much for having me, Noel. This was really fun. Good. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. All right. We will link to everything in the show notes from Alexandra. Um, for more from her, you can go to Postpartum Nutritionist 
on Instagram. Uh, for more from me, Coconuts and Kettlebells on Instagram. And uh, if you are uh, interested in keeping in touch and just like you heard a lot of these questions asked, I typically will poll for questions in our Facebook group, our Facebook Facebook group is called the Well-Fed Women Holistic Health Community. So you can find that by searching and join there. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. We will talk to you next week.